0: My name is Justin and I'm here today with
1: Will Sloan.
0: And you're listening to the Important Cinema Club. And today we're doing our most anticipated episode of the year when we tell you the best films that came out in 2022
1: anticipated by who i would like names give me a list of actual names i mean people who people in general yeah yeah exactly the numbers don't lie this is an episode that gets clicks probably the most of the year because people want to
0: know like all right i didn't really pay attention that much to movies is there anything that i missed or
1: is there any gems out there and guess what you're not gonna hear about it on this episode (laughs) so what was the year in film of 2022 for
0: you yeah i didn't have a very good 2022 and movie wise looking at like the stuff that i gave like really good ratings to I was like, okay, yeah, a lot of those four stars. I'm like, that was entertaining
1: and it did its job. Four stars. Is it a best of 2022? No, not really. It's hard for me to feel great about the state of cinema. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, let's face it. There were two gigantic movies this year, Top Gun, Maverick and Avatar, that a lot of people liked that were sort of cultural phenomena, both of which are kind of, you know, nostalgic enterprises. Mm -hmm. I, I like them both very much, but, you know, they're they're coasting on the fumes of something fair to say and then there are are, you know one prestige movie for grown-ups quote-unquote after another that just flopped one after another every single one of them not in tune with the zeitgeist and then there's a whole kind of streaming wilderness uh some of those movies people like i know a lot of people like glass onion but everything becomes kind of a soup on streaming Oh and then there are the Marvel movies which came out this year and they had their they made their customary 400 million dollars domestic and I didn't hear anybody talk about them didn't hear anybody talk about Wakanda forever
0: usually I love some Marvel movies that come out not this year nothing each and every one I saw in
1: cinema, I was like, oh, P.U. Bad. So overall, I felt just a dispiriting air around the cinema this year. It didn't feel like an art form um, <laughs> that was uh, full Striving. of life. Uh, I have movies here to recommend. Mm-hmm. I saw movies that I really liked. It's hard when every square surface is covered with movies that I don't love all that much. Or, But like we talked about this before. I, I feel
0: that. Just general audiences are like, I guess I'm going to go see this Marvel movie, but there's no joy in it anymore. Now, does this have anything to do with many years ago, I muted basically every word on Twitter related to Marvel and I can't see them anymore? Probably.
1: Well, I never muted the word Marvel on Twitter, Mm -hmm. but I mean, look. A lot of just Marvel, superhero, superhero, (laughs) DC, all of them muted. I mostly see complaining about Marvel, Mm -hmm. but that's the echo chamber I've surrounded myself with. But even that complaining is like kind of tired it's been going on for a few years (laughs) actually yeah and I mean do you did you sense Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness excitement no I didn't even sense
0: any Black Panther excitement like it came out it it made its money but like I remember when the first one came out people were like oh man this is great you gotta see it none of that for the second
1: one and I definitely saw a lot of like generalized death of cinema talk this year when it was like the Fableman's flops uh, Babylon flops Amsterdam flops these movies that why isn't this working these movies have stars Steven Spielberg directed this one why aren't people why going out to see this these
0: biopic about Steven Spielberg that will make you rediscover the magic of cinema not working
1: <laughs> <laughs> so just a lot of generalized yeah yeah th- this isn't working energy going Spielberg
0: on. was like steps away from going house to house to people to like tell them hey go watch the Fablemans he did a Q&A during the press screening that we saw
1: now look You folks know, Justin, you know, I liked The Fablemans. Mm -hmm. Um, I can see, though, why it was a very niche proposition.
0: On paper, should be a movie exactly for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it's like, okay, guys, you like it when I do dinosaurs. You like it when I do aliens. Well, now I'm going to tell you about my parents' divorce and how that turned me into the filmmaker I am today.
0: Well... Like, you can see why that's niche. Let's be specific after seeing the movie. It's not about turning him into the filmmaker that he's today. It's him being able to you know, get over the obstacles of
1: his parents' divorce because he was always the ultimate filmmaker. <laughs> okay, before we get to the top 10 or top five or whatever. Whatever however movies we can, you know, round up. We'll see because The Fablemans is actually a contender for my list. Mm, I'm surprised it's not because you, you liked it quite a bit. No, it, it is it is a contender for my mm. list. It might even, it's kind of... Sort of on my list. Ah, put it on there. So, okay, it's on it's there. It's on there. The Famelman's is on there, and what has lingered with me, what has stuck with me like a bullet in my brain, is that scene towards the end where, I mean, if, if there's one insight the movie has into Steven Spielberg's filmmaking, if there's one revelation, it's he uses filmmaking c- to control his fear. Mm. That's announced in the opening scene. And then you think, okay, well, that's why Schindler's List is about the guy who saved a bunch of people in the Holocaust. That's why Amistad and Lincoln are about the people who ended slavery. Like he's he's always interested in exerting control. And then you see this movie where the Jewish Steven Spielberg surrogate makes a movie about his high school graduation clash that turns the bully into, like a glorious Lenny Riefenstahl style. This is a
0: scene that I bring up all the time when I talk about this movie, and I talk about it derisively. But I do think it is the key to this film, and I don't think Spielberg knew what he was doing when he made this
1: scene. It's an amazing scene, and then when the bully confronts him, he says, why did you make me look so good? Well, he says it like this,
0: why did you make me look so good? Why did you make me look so good?
1: And then little Sammy Spielberg, or whatever his name he is. He, like,
0: lifts his shirt up to show his abs, and he's like, because I'm a, I'm a bronze god.
1: Justin's making fun of the fact that the guy who plays Steven Spielberg in the movie is much better looking than the actual guy was.
0: I wonder if I would have liked this movie more if he was a a gangly nerd
1: i mean it would be a completely different movie but but then when sammy fayman says i don't know yeah. i mean that is incredible
0: that that is the skeleton key to steven spielberg's career yeah so uh, and then he goes i promise not to tell anyone
1: unless I make it into a movie. Then he looks into the camera and winks. The last thing I'll say about that movie is uh, my buddy Alan on Letterboxd watched it yesterday and said that it's funny that Steven Spielberg depicts Christians like Spike Lee does (laughs) (laughs) Italian-Americans. Oh, Spielberg, you kind of look like Jesus. (laughs) According to Spielberg, everything that
0: happens in this movie is true, including him showing a Super 8 reel to his mom that confirms she's having an emotional affair with her dad's best friend.
1: Well, uh, some of his high school classmates spoke to the New York Post and said that he didn't have any girlfriends in high school. What? (laughs) What?
0: Wait, really? That's so funny.
1: I mean, who knows? Who knows? I wasn't there. I don't know. I mean, Spielberg's gonna be kicking down the door and he's like, what did you say? I'm sure he's fucked a ton since then, but, you know.
0: (laughs) You know, I can make people look good. I can make people look bad, too. He says to the people who spoke to the New York Post.
1: I believe Spielberg is capable
0: of great evil, but... um... I mean, some would say that he has done that as well. Unconsciously, as the Fablemans would prove. Anyway, what's a movie you liked this year? Let's start right off the bat. This is going to be both of our lists, and I think that when we saw it theatrically, we thought it was it would be us and no one else. But this blew up. It's RRR,
1: <laughs> RRR. The uh, uh, not Bollywood, the Telugu. Monster hit, Mm -hmm. like an Indian film that has crossed over like no other popular Indian film has. I don't think
0: any Indian film has crossed like that, right? Especially like a masala, big entertainment one.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could make the argument that obviously Satyajit Ray like crossed over. Or like Lagan had a kind of like art house um, reach, but not like
0: RRR, where like people are telling each other, like, you got to watch it on streaming, it's on there, check it out. Like, it's a blast. Like, podcasts, like comedy podcasts I listen to, they mention it like oh I saw it it's amazing that's how big of a reach that it has and I remember sitting there in the Albion cinema being blown away by and going like oh I wish we could share this with more people well now it is every top 10 list I saw like it's on there. (laughs) Like they saw it.
1: I think it's just great to see so many people having fun with this movie. It's Mm -hmm. great to see so many people expanding their horizons and seeing something from a country, from a film industry that they've never seen before. I understand that there are, uh, there have been accusations that it's Hindu nationalist propaganda in some way. I'm willing to entertain that for sure. Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, uh, like any filmmaker who makes big blockbusters, there are some problematic stuff, especially watching some of his other movies at the TIFF retrospective.
1: Well, when I saw that, that one oh god what was the what was the magadera magadera yes so that one i watched that and i thought Oh, okay. I can see why people have accused him of being anti-Muslim.
0: There is a bit of a colorism in his films as well, in that the villains are always darker
1: skinned. Yeah. Look, I like Rocky IV too, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not crazy about the politics of that one.
0: I think that we just need to say the thing we say anytime we talk about uh, cinema that we are not, uh, you know, very attuned with is that we know that it doesn't define
1: everything from that country. That's that's right. And I mean, what can I say? The scene, the, the scene where uh, they he come- <laughs> The scene, oh. the scene where they come up to the big colonial garden party and they unleash all the lions and tigers. Mm. Oh, my God. Oh, just pure cinema right there on screen. And the dance scene. Oh, oh my God. so good. Do you know that they're doing a screening
0: in L.A. and they're bringing the director, the composer and the two stars wow. for a screen? Because they're doing a push to get it nominated for best musical number, which that should be an easy go like what is the competition something from like
1: disenchanted 2 you know in this climate i can see that movie getting a best picture nomination here's one that will be on both of our lists mm-hmm. probably my favorite movie of the year it's magic spot oh i love magic spot. the dynamic duo of matt farley and charlie roxberg Obviously, we're in the tank for these filmmakers, but I think... Wait, wait, wait. Isn't someone an
0: executive
1: producer on Magic Spot? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I I think I'm only an associate producer. Okay. Here's the thing, folks. Matt Farley, the poet of Manchester, New Hampshire, put a call out on Twitter for his fans that if you send him $200, he'll put your name on the screen. And he does that with every new
0: movie that he does as well.
1: Uh, so yeah, yeah, I am credited as a as an associate producer. I assure you, I had no creative input whatsoever.
0: Uh, I will say the same thing with another movie that's coming up on this list. But Magic Spot, I love this movie because it's kind of like on a vibe that they haven't really done before, which is like pure optimism it's just like a
1: feel-good time now if somebody is for some reason listening to this podcast for the first time and they don't know who these filmmakers are matt farley and charlie Roxburgh live in new england they've been making these very small like the the greatest home movies ever made basically for the last 20 years with a a band of friends and colleagues and co-workers who all act in them and they play with sort of quote-unquote amateurish aesthetics but they're anything but amateurish If you see a lot of them, you see this repertory company and film the film and they become like your friends.
0: We said this before, but like their films may look simple, but they are anything but like the scripts are so complicated, so dense and and so
1: funny Mm -hmm. and so literate. And Magic Spot is their time travel movie where Matt and his cousins have an uncle. Mm -hmm. okay, who disappeared one day years ago And they don't know what happened to him, but they find a magic spot in the forest that can transport them through time and they hope to use it to find their lost uncle. Now, that's the broad outlines of the plot, but...
0: Does the uncle come back as a ghost-like figure trapped between dimensions? Yes. Is it all very fun? Does everybody get a musical number? Arguably the
1: first full musical that Matt Farley and Charlie Roxburgh have made. Now, what if I told you that this movie is also about local media? Mm -hmm. It's also about art itself and that it cost generously (laughs) $2,000. Yes. (laughs) Uh, But it's also beautiful Mm -hmm. shot in wonderful black and white and over the last couple years in the recent movies they've made metal detector maniac heard she got married there are certain strands that have been evolving you know because they've been making movies for 20 years for a very small audience they've been exploring the idea of creativity for its own sake and the pleasure of art making being the process itself Which doesn't mean that the lack of recognition doesn't sting. Doesn't mean that they don't want recognition. They want recognition. They would like money to make these movies. But if you've read Farley's book, The Moturn Method, you'll know he's interested in creativity as a way of life. He's interested in you create, you create, you create... You don't stress too much over whether it's perfect or even if it's good. You know, creating is breathing, and the recent run of movies is sort of about this. You know, Hershey got married is about what happens when you're a creative person, and then everyone around you. The public access show that is the centerpiece of the film, which is filled with
0: actors that are fans
1: of uh, Matt and Charlie's movies. The conceit is that it broadcasts and it doesn't doesn't record. Mm-hmm. You know, you just see it. The in idea that of
0: recording is.
1: Toxic to the Matt Farley character, even though that he comes to terms with this by the end of the movie. And there's, you know, one of the subplots is this band, this band of musicians who live out in the woods, basically, (laughs) who perform the greatest music ever, but they just perform it for this little audience in the woods and they don't allow it to be recorded. And then there's a connection between that and life itself. You know, living in the moment, enjoying the moment. I think it's a very beautiful film. It's it's very funny, mm-hmm. uh, very warm, and uh, quite moving by the end.
0: Listen, the prolific filmmakers in my eyes go Matt Farley and Charlie Roxburgh, and way down Hong Sang-soo. Well, <laughs> <I> got, <laughs> two movies a day. I'm setting Will up, because I know one of his films is on Will's list. I,
1: I agree with you. And yes, you, we're going to hear more about Hong Sang-soo later. But check out Magic Spot. It's on Vimeo. I think it's also now on Amazon Prime, at least mm-hmm. in the US. So. Yep. Yeah. Check it out. If you watch one movie, watch that based on this episode. On this list,
0: yeah. Uh, will it be coming a golden Ninja video uh, one day?
1: Perhaps. Wink.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and are you excited, Will, that their next movie, Boston Johnny, features a character called Toronto's own Will Sloan?
1: Yeah, that was incredibly somebody who donated to a Kickstarter campaign. One of the prizes was you can name a character. They named a character Toronto's own Will Slum.
0: And it's not just a side character. It is like a main character
1: of the movie. That's pretty cool. I mean, Robert Altman never named a character after Roger Ebert. So. <laughs> That's right. Uh, And so moving on, uh,
0: let me take one that I don't think will be on your list because I don't think you've seen it yet. Did you see Shin Ultraman? No, I want to. Oh, so good. Is it playing? Has it played already? Uh, It's played at some film festivals and it's playing in Toronto in a couple weeks, I think. I can't wait. So Shin Ultraman is... In the world, like stylistically, of Shin Godzilla, which was directed by Hideaki Anno. This one is not technically directed by Hideaki Anno. It's directed by his longtime friend, Shinji Higuchi, who is a Japanese filmmaker and special effects guy. He did all the special effects on the 90s Gamera movies. And unlike Shin Godzilla, which was a kind of, all right, how do we update the Godzilla mythos for today? What can it say about today? It's it's basically just like, let's just do all the fun Ultraman stuff. Like, let's squish... Uh, ten episodes of a TV series into one movie, multiple villains, multiple fun. It gets existential of like, what does it mean to be human as well? But it's just a blast from the get-go. It's the kind of movie where it starts with a montage of a bunch of monsters that have already appeared on Earth, and one of them is just the Shin Godzilla monster with fins on its back, which is a homage to the Ultraman TV show, which had the Godzilla suit show up with fins on its back and it's playing someone completely different. <laughs> so that's the kind of like world that it's living in. And I mean, one of the big disappointments about Chin Ultraman is that like the studio who was repping it, like what were they doing? Like they kept showing it, it played at a bunch of film festivals and they just sat on it. And I think an indie distributor picked it up and will be like playing at cinemas, but it should have opened day and date.
1: I think it would have done pretty well. I hope so. Can't wait to see it. Oh yeah, it's great. What else you got for me, Will? All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. This is the documentary by Laura Poitras, who her previous work includes the Edward Snowden documentary, Citizen Four. This one is a biographical portrait of the artist Nan Golden, a very celebrated photographer who came up in the 70s and 80s. Uh, She had these very tough, unsentimental photos of her milieu. You know, she was close friends with Cookie Mueller and John Waters and that crowd. But today, in addition to that, she's an activist against certain elements in the pharmaceutical industry who are causing and enabling the opioid crisis. She herself is a recovering opioid addict. And in recent years or decades, one of the things that people like the Sackler family, who's who's the pharmaceutical family in particular, who's Been the major player in the opioid crisis. One of the things that they've done, sort of like buying indulgences, is donating a lot of money to arts institutions, donating a lot of money to art galleries to get their names on the wall, you know, the Sackler wing of the institution. And because there's seemingly no way to bring justice to people who are that rich. I mean, these are multi-billionaires. If if they if they get found guilty in court for something, they can defer the fine to some sub-business and then some other sub-business. You know, there's no getting them. What you can do is get at their prestige.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's all that really
1: matters to them at the end of the day, because <laughs> they are so powerful. The film, in addition to being a very moving biographical survey of her life shows the activism that she's done shows these sort of demonstrations that she's done at like the met and the Louvre or the Guggenheim I mean other galleries like that that have like the Sackler name on the wall and how successful she has been getting those galleries to strip those names and others from the walls so it's a very you know it's a very beautiful film it's very inspiring film says has a lot to say about the world we live in today.
0: I did not see
1: it. I don't think it's been released anywhere, right? It's played theatrically, and that's it? I mean, yeah, maybe it's... I, I don't know where Did it's... Did you see played. it at TIFF? I saw it at TIFF, yeah, Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but whoa, check whoa. it out.
0: La Dita. <laughs> uh, one that should not be on any of our
1: lists because it's not available is The People's Joker, right, Will? Let's talk about it anyway, though. Yeah, right. I, I think we should talk about it. Uh, so y- explain The People's Joker. The
0: People's Joker was a feature film that was made on a joke by Vera Drew, who uh, worked principally as an editor for shows like Tim and Eric. Uh, she directed a season of On Cinema as well, I That's believe. That's correct. Because those seasons are shot in only one day they do every episode back to back (laughs) and during the pandemic a friend like gave her money to make a a joker film based on the joaquin phoenix one as a joke and it just kind of blew up and she got all of her friends to participate in it to do art so it's like this big ensemble thing and it's principally about her journey transitioning and it's very moving in a way you don't expect. Like I was thinking about the movie yesterday and I was like, all right, what is the moment that like really strikes me the most? And it's like the end when like she gets to make a wish and you see in her life, Uh, like what happiness is and what you remember about happiness. And I think that's the thing that's the most surprising about it is that because almost no one can see it. I think it played
1: Tiff. It played Tiff once. Yeah, once. And we were both at the screening and at the screening, word had basically gotten out that Warner Brothers had... Well, they wanted to shut down that screening. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so a lot of negotiations took place to Mm -hmm. make sure that screening happened, but then no other screenings. And I think the film was withdrawn from all its other festival dates. I'm sure that you know, work is being done now to see if some compromise can be reached. Warner is alleging infringement of copyright. She is alleging satire.
0: Yeah, and she had lawyers go over and everything. But, you know, we were talking about powerful people. It doesn't
1: matter if, you know, they want to put their might behind, you know, shutting down this film. Well, yeah, it's because, yeah, you can fight it. Maybe you can win in court. But Mm -hmm. do you have the money to go up against Warner Brothers in court? Maybe not. But I mean, the stuff that's in the movie, nobody would confuse it for an actual Batman movie, first of all uh secondly the the satire in it like yes there's a character called the joker but there's a character called borad in epic movie <laughs>
0: yeah like like that's the thing like you watch epic movie and they just recreate a scene from hancock but he just bumps his head on a light post
1: but epic movie is part of the system mm-hmm. you know yeah, epic
0: that's yeah. the classic thing yeah which is like uh, trey parker and matt stone said they couldn't get an r rating on orgasmo to save their life but then when they came with south park bigger longer and uncut they were like oh yeah just do this one cut and then you'll get an
1: r rating also third point uh batman should be in the public domain by now get, get, it be give me a domain. fucking break yes. batman's 80 years old holy fuck when's the date that he becomes in the public domain god i don't know it's uh probably probably in 15 years or so technically steamboat willie is technically in the public domain now right as of next year i think Oh, next year okay
0: oh let's see what will be happening down new laws being passed to make sure that doesn't happen
1: yeah well and then only the steamboat willie mickey mouse will be in the public domain
0: yeah so you can't do anything else i mean now you can have sherlock holmes have emotions which was (laughs) illegal before based on the doyle estate (laughs) yeah because come on this shit should be in the public domain well
1: i also think if you're gonna say that superheroes are our modern myths they're our modern folklore and certainly if you're gonna blanket the marketplace with these fucking superheroes so you can't walk five feet without seeing batman and the joker then yes they should be a toolbox that we should play with to some degree the joker is a famous figure two actors have won academy awards for
0: playing him that's right of course jack nicholson was
1: robbed (laughs) i think so (laughs) Uh,
0: so another one that I have on this list in the vein of People's Joker because nobody can watch this one is Terry Chu's Open Doom Crescendo now Terry Chu I should say he is a friend of mine but I had nothing to do with this movie even though my name is executive producer on it he is a filmmaker who made a anti coming of age film a while back called Mango Shake and then he spent the next years after that making this three hour epic shot in basically this gigantic vacant lot uh, post-apocalyptic film about finding yourself essentially and it's wild it's very inspired by anime and just terry himself like he has such a vivid perspective of the way he wants to do things and the way that you know he wants to tell this story that like i saw the hour version of this many years ago and he had the script for the three-hour version and i went awesome terry you're not gonna make this are you he's like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm gonna make this i was like good luck And then he did it. (laughs) I don't know how he did it, but he did. And it's out there. It's played, I don't think, any film festivals yet, which is such a bummer. But it is a -a one-of-a-kind thing. And I was shocked by the end of how moving I found it. That he does some like narrative gambits near the end to really get you inside and understand the people making this movie not just the characters themselves and then he you know blows it up with a bunch of wackiness as well
1: is this one potentially coming to gold ninja video soon
0: maybe I mean my best wish would be that, like, a much bigger distributor picks it up and gets it out there. But if not, yeah, definitely it'll come to
1: Gold Ninja Video. Well, actually, you know, one that you haven't seen that I would like to sell you on is uh, Funny Pages. Okay. Uh, now, I, I do know the director of that one a little bit. Oh, man, so, we're name-dropping like crazy this episode. I, I know. You've empowered me to to have the courage to name-drop. Mm-hmm. but uh, so, so that's the uh, admission of conflict of interest. But I will say this movie has really stuck with me. Uh, quite a bit it's the story of this kid you know this this kid who is an aspiring comic book artist who like wants to drop out of high school and become an underground cartoonist like his heroes and he becomes friends with this guy who was in the underground cartoonist scene years and years and years ago uh, but he's a bit of a weird guy he's a bit of an eccentric guy and this kid who's like 17 or 18 or something he's like Oh, isn't this so cool? Isn't this so cool that I know him? And what I love about this movie, in addition to just the texture of it, it's shot in 16 millimeter, all the faces in it, uh, you know, the Safty brothers are executive producers on it. And it's got, you know, some people who are in those movies, but it just but just the general like, vibe of one of those movies, mm-hmm. like, it has faces that look like Drew Friedman drew them. All throughout it. And that, I think, is in tune with the rigorous lack of sentimentality of the movie. Like, the cartoonist uh, that that he picks up, this veteran cartoonist, is a genuinely disturbed man. <laughs> and he's got a lot of, like, he's got a lot of humanity, you know? He's not a bad man. He's just a severely damaged man. And there's no, like, sun dancification of him, you know? There's no, like, pop song at the end, set to, like, Brian Eno or something like that? Yeah. And that, that has lingered with me a lot. The Mm. fact that like that character is allowed to be that way, you know? Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend Funny Pages. I think you would enjoy it a lot. Well, like Terry Chu, I'm glad that young filmmakers who don't have the resources or
0: anything (laughs) like that. Now let me open this new issue of, is it variety? (laughs) Nepo baby. (laughs) So next up, I have one. People know what this is. It was kind of a surprise hit. Everything everywhere, all at once the new film by The Daniels. The Daniels. And this was one that I saw the
1: trailer and I was like, Ugh, no, thank you. I'll be honest. I'm a little tired of hearing about this one.
0: Are people writing about it
1: that much? Man, my mute's on Twitter. Ah, feels good. Good for you. I'm, I'm talking both sides, okay? Because I, I liked this movie enough. Uh, I, yeah. I, I thought I thought it was fun. I thought short round, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is great in it. Mm-hmm. Should check Yew's. him out
0: in the Taiwanese action films he did with the director who did Half a Loaf of Kung Fu. Oh. Yeah, He. Uh, it's called
1: Red Pirate. Oh, well, I will check that out. It's
0: uh, great and short round. Boy, does he get beaten up in the movie. (laughs) So that's super fun. Uh, You think it's too present? Ah, This is the curse with these kind of movies. I know. That they're all over the place, but... Like, if you look at Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, that movie was false advertising. Three universes in that? That's it? This is one that is genuinely out there. It was made pretty much independently from the studio. Then it was picked up by A24 afterwards. And it also, like, the martial arts sequence were choreographed by, like, YouTube guys, the martial club that I was big fans of. So it was made for me. And when I finally sat down and watched it, I was like, oh, Wow. I find this very moving and good. And it's on this list and it's on everybody's list. So we can move on to the next movie.
1: Uh, Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's fun. Mm. But you're tired of hearing about it. But I'm so tired of hearing about it. Uh, but we can have it on the episode, sure. <laughs> will, will was like, I need to cut this, Joe. You need to cut this. I'm going to lose my street cred. This is inclusive.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. So now we need to move on to something that will raise our street cred. Obviously, Avatar 2, right, Will?
1: Not, no. not on my list. No, not me but, either. but it's fun. Yeah, it's fine. I like Avatar 2.
0: Yeah, it, it literally has the same rating on Letterboxd that I gave it to the first Avatar, having rewatched it recently. I was like, yeah, it's fine. I was not rushing out to see it again
1: in the cinema. The thing about Avatar 2...
2: It's a remake of Avatar 1.
1: Yeah, basically. And I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff in it. The Mm -hmm. last hour is super fun. Just nobody does a big action finale like James Cameron does. And I mean, technically, it truly is impressive. But there are a lot of scenes in it where I think, God, you spent 13 years making a really photorealistic sunset.
0: (laughs) I feel exactly the same way. I remember when the trailer came out, people were like look at this hand that's you know tying a knot.
1: It looks like a real hand. It's like, yeah, just paint a guy blue. Put him in some water and he can do it. Yeah, I prefer a real sunset, actually. (laughs) But I will say the underwater stuff I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. And I like that because it looks dreamier. It looks weirder. Mm. I actually didn't see it in high frame rate, which people
0: have said, that's impossible. You saw it in IMAX, which I did in Ottawa. And it wasn't in high frame rate. They're all in high frame rate. Well, something must have been screwed up about the projector because it definitely wasn't because I would have noticed if it had happened.
1: Anyway, it's a solid film I enjoyed seeing. It. Yep. So, uh, okay, raising street Crowd. Mr. Hong Sang Su, mm. why not? Now, Hong Sang Su was somebody who, before the start of the calendar year 2022, I think I'd maybe seen one of his movies. So I watched, you know, maybe five or six of them this year, To, and he's made a vast... Are you sure you watched five or six or just the same one six times? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I did. (laughs) I'm out for Hong Sang-soo. I'm just kidding. I like... He's fine. I like Hong Sang-soo, and it did take me a little while to get sort of... To figure him out, Mm -hmm. because... A lot of those movies go against what I'm conditioned to think a good movie looks like. You know, they all have those long static shots of people at a table. Hey, there's some Zoom sometimes. Yeah, there are Zooms, but, you know, they're at the table. They've got all the beers and alcohol and stuff in front of them, and they're just having these really, really long conversations. And you know sometimes he might nod off a little bit but then he'll come back and sometimes that'll be okay. Hong Sang-soo is our Jeff Franco of the art house. <laughs> yeah, he is actually. He is. He, is. he is, and I like that about him. And the one that I saw theatrically this year in front of your face which got a week-long run at Toronto's TIFF Bell Lightbox. Very rare for Hong Sang-soo to get a theatrical run in this city. I really really liked this movie. It's about a retired actress who comes back to South Korea after years abroad in the United States. And we don't know why she's been away. We don't know what brings her back. And then first she meets with her sister, and then she meets with a director that she used to work with for a long time. Wait, filmmakers and actors in a Hong Sang-soo film? No! <laughs> Over the course of the film, uh, secrets are revealed. Uh, I won't reveal those, of course, but I, they did. I did find them quite devastating. And I just like being in the space of this movie. I liked... Being with these characters and feeling these conversations unfold at the rhythm that they did, feeling the revelations come out at the rhythm that they do, and just feeling... Like, as as low budget and as, you know, small scale as this movie is, I do feel it encompasses just a lot of the scope of life. There's much that's beautiful, there's much that's painful and hard, and it all coexists. And Hong Sang-soo films are meant to be watching cinemas, so you can't be looking at your phone while you're watching them. It does help. You need your attention right up there on the screen. It does help, so if there's a one-off screening in your town, go see it. Speaking of things that are the best on the big screen,
0: how about we talk about a movie that we made so much fun of up in the run-up to it coming out. <laughs> Will's giving me a blank I don't know what it is. What Top is it? Gun
1: Maverick, come on, oh, man. T- did we make fun of that? Oh, yeah. Wow, we were on the wrong side of history. What can oh, I say? Yeah. Well,
0: I don't like the first Top Gun movie. I've been very vocal about that. Like, it's not really for me. But man, when you get Christopher McQuarrie ghost directing behind the scenes... I'm all
1: there for it this movie Top Gun Maverick there's a reason it's the biggest movie of the year yeah it's great it's fun yeah it's fun. a well-oiled entertainment machine led by the greatest movie star of his generation
0: doing what he does best against bad guys no one can see me waving my hand
1: is it Russia is it North Korea is it uh, Iran Canada? could could be can't could be could be anyone it's probably Russia but yeah it's I don't probably
0: know. Russia but what you do get is just like big screen entertainment as good as it can be. Like you can, you know, say that it is, of course, military propaganda. All these blockbusters
1: are. <laughs> like, there's no way escaping this. Uh, we've lost that war so long yeah. ago.
0: <laughs> so why don't we just sit back and, you know, wally it out, grow into big fat blobs, enjoy
1: true entertainment. Well, I think of the skill of a movie like this. I've been watching some Steven Seagal movies lately. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's a joke, right? Yeah. Uh, of course. And Tom Cruise shows you how it's done. I mean, Steven Seagal will never give you a moment when he's not... The coolest guy ever he will never give you a moment of vulnerability and tom cruise who is also incredibly vain is also always going to show you being the coolest guy ever knows when to insert little moments of humanity and vulnerability
0: Whoa, that scene with val kilmer so
1: good okay so good but just the scene where he gets thrown out of the bar the scene where he you know jumps out of jennifer connelly's window and yeah. the daughter sees him there are enough moments in there to be like Ha-ha. Uh, i like this guy yeah yeah, exactly. yeah to bring him down I, to earth
0: i, I wouldn't want to be his friend because he would trap me in a prison like Christopher McQuarrie that I could never escape.
1: And I'm I'm impressed with Tom Cruise's career, just the way he's been able to harness uh, his reputation for being crazy and make it work for him. I've been watching those trailers for Mission Impossible, though, but you can see the age on Tom Cruise's face. Yeah. And,
0: And like the attempts of trying to not make it look old.
1: I've been finding that uh emotionally difficult oh have you (laughs) because we all get old will like we all get old but this guy for a long time seemed to have a secret pact with the reaper you know how old is he now he's 60 okay and i would say up until he was about 53 uh he looked exactly the same (laughs) that's right and now yeah he is starting to look a little bit older okay that mission impossible trailer where he's just motorcycling off the mountain over and over (laughs) again that is insane (laughs) why the fact that he does so many takes. This is this is suicidal ideation. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Yeah, it is. If he could still see his daughter, would he be doing this over and over no. again?
0: <laughs> like he just needs to prove to himself that he's going beyond what is expected of anyone else. I, I, you know, I'm glad that yeah. he's dedicated himself to this instead of, I don't know, spreading Scientology uh, 24-7. Like,
1: Yeah, I mean, he's amazing. What can you say? You got to give it up for him. There's there's a lot I don't like about him, but like, what he's
0: amazing. The next Mission Impossible ended with, and we got our good friends at Scientology who saved the day. Like, it just becomes like
1: full-on propaganda. I don't think even he's that powerful. No, you don't think so? Yeah, I think somebody would put the kibosh on that. <laughs>
0: well, maybe one day, more. is old age when he goes into this like scientology kind of like christian style films when they're all about (laughs) that
1: looking forward to it what else you got on your list will well tar by todd field yeah you know what i watched it great movie Really loved it, yeah. And I didn't know much going in except that it was a quote-unquote cancel culture movie. And that description underrates it, I think. Uh, It is a very long, very patient character study. Of a real jerk. (laughs) Yes, and when the cancellation occurs, you have enough evidence to say... Kind of deserved it. I was
0: thinking, I mean, this is a slight spoiler, how would the movie feel if instead... At the end, she, like, goes back to her childhood home, which is, like, in suburbia. She just went to, like, a big mansion (laughs) where she grew up. Like, do you think people would find, like, oh, I still see the humanity in this person? That last shot of the movie,
1: I found it, like, devastating. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe she's just finding joy. She's doing the moturn method. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) I will say the the scene in the movie that's the most talked about scene, the Juilliard scene, Mm -hmm. you know, where she where she schools that young student. I think that's a very rich scene. Oh, yeah. Shot in one take, too. Yeah, because it's like a lot of the things she says, like she's right. She's working with more like intellectual firepower than the kid is. But she's also blinkered in a different way. Yeah. And and she's, she's mean. She's mean. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She's ungenerous. What she's saying isn't technically wrong but it's the way that she's saying it and presenting it and throwing away any other perspective that would change what she's saying or give it any extra details
1: yeah i have one more movie i can talk All about right. this one played at tiff i don't know if it's come out theatrically or not mm-hmm. um so if it hasn't i um, sorry but it's Pacifiction by Albert Serra. Going to end on a real high art note. Mm -hmm. This stars Benoit Magimel as this French colonial uh, fixer, basically. He's on Tahiti taking care of French colonial interests. And, you know, like, he's a liberal colonizer. You know, he works with everybody. He works with the government. He works with the activists. He works with this, that. And the whole movie is him having these long negotiations with all these people, Over time, you realize the center cannot hold.
0: Wait, wait, wait. I can't just be a centrist and then the world can keep spinning without issue? Exactly. Huh.
1: There's just this ominous doom all over the movie. And... That atmosphere of doom, which is evoked, you know, through the conversations, it's also evoked visually, orally, you know, through a lot of remarkable scenes. It's like nothing else I felt in a movie this year. Mm -hmm. And it's very long. It's very slow. Sometimes it's boring, I think, but like purposefully boring in a way that sort of drifts you off into hell
0: (laughs) i mean so it's another one of those kind of like colonialist uh movies
1: realizing that perhaps colonialism is bad but i don't want to make it sound like too much of a chore because it's a beautiful film and it's also quite funny at times Mm -hmm. it's a very dryly funny movie so if it comes to your area check out pacifiction did you see *After Sun*? The A24 release? Not yet. I want to. Amazing movie.
0: It's basically, it's, it's one of those weird films that like you read about it and any review I read, I'm like, just tell me what it's about though. Cause people like speak very eloquently of like, ah, it caused me to cry at the end. I found it so moving and I'm like, yeah, okay, but what, like, what is it about? And you don't need that context, but sometimes when you watch these movies for the first 30 minutes, you're like, mm-hmm, all right, like where are we going? And essentially all it is, is a vacation between a daughter and a father, and they just go to vacation in Turkey. Nothing shocking happens. Like there's no, he's not like a drug dealer or, you know, he betrays her in some way. It's just like every vacation you've ever had with a parent. But it's also the daughter, which you get in like very quick flashes, is kind of thinking back to this vacation as an adult and realizing that her father was suffering from depression throughout this. Now, this is ambiguous. You can read it perhaps in a different way, but that is like the building blocks of what the movie is giving you. And that sounds like a chore to sit down and watch, but it's not because it will trigger in you like feelings and emotions and will also make you go back and think of like when I was a child and I saw these things it's so universal by being so specific and not only that it is in the period we were like the same age this kid was when like she was experiencing these things and as someone who did go on vacations was just my dad like I can see the kind of like the emotion there as well and not these specific kind of things but how like you know when you're a kid you idolize your parents they can do no wrong but that's not the reality of it even though like in this movie like he's trying his best at a certain level of like you know I'm fun he's not mean or anything and that's the thing about the movie is that there's no big shock which is why when it ends it ends so movingly because it's the accumulation of all this stuff just kind of get dumped on you in these like final moments and yeah a beautiful film
1: well there you have it that's the year unless you have any more I have two things I can mention real fast yeah let's hear them
0: Indonesian filmmaker Timo I'm going to butcher his name uh, Chahanto who he directed the night comes for us which I believe was on my top 10 list a couple years ago and uh, his new movie The Big Four which came out of nowhere I think it was supposed to be mostly like an Indonesian only production it's like a comedy film broadly when you look at the log line but he just went in and he made it like a action comedy that is definitely like it would be NC-17 violence wise but it's also a broad comedy in the sense that you would get from places like Indonesia I'm trying to think of like what the specific I don't know what the area is but I'm thinking of like which is not related to Indonesia but like Filipino you know how they have like very specific Pacific comedies that never really travel because they are broad in a way that like North American audiences are not. Even Indian cinema is kind of like that as well. And it's like that, but I think he did like the best version of that. It's about a woman who's a cop, her dad dies and she goes looking into like who would have killed him. And she finds out that her dad had adopted four orphans and trained them to be assassins. And with those orphans who are retiring, coming out of retirement, being assassins again, she goes and fights the people who did bad. Just, a great action film, a little long, but I think it just worked overall. And I was, very surprised by it because i was expecting going oh yeah, it's a Netflix streaming film i know what those are let's get ready especially the action films but no it, it totally delivers and i'm very excited for him to make more action films and a controversial pick man i really enjoyed babylon
1: which i know will i haven't seen yet uh, i have seen it oh you have seen it yeah i oh. saw it a few days ago i didn't like it at all i, but- knew, <laughs> I knew you wouldn't like it sorry i'm glad you did though yeah. i loved seeing it on 70 millimeter
0: i just had a blast with it it's a movie for me in the sense that it's like the director burning money, I (laughs) I, I compared it to 1941, which is exactly what it feels like. It
1: also reminded me in its early stretches of Peter Bogdanovich's Nickelodeon. Yes. That kind of like energy. I
0: was uh, more laughing at Babylon or smiling. Like Nickelodeon, I kind of watch it kind of stone-faced. Me too. As Peter Bogdanovich uh, tries to go through with it. I think that Babylon is kind of fascinating that this movie was made and that the director was like, oh yeah, this will, like, how can this fail? (laughs) And it's like, you watch it and you go, oh man. Yeah, I can understand why nobody's liking this. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Damien Chazelle. And it's a, I, I think it's a bummer that he's been roasted as much as he has, thanks to La La Land coming out and being everything, uh, everywhere, all at one style, too big a hit. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he is perceived the way that he is.
1: I'm glad that you liked it. If yeah. I have an issue with the movie, it's that I feel like it's a lot of different things at once that are contradictory. It's like, it's a movie that wants to be like, Oh my God, look at the, it wants to pearl clutch over the decadence and the uh, of, of old Hollywood. Like, look at these orgies, look at this mm-hmm. Wolf of Wall Street style stuff. But then also, ah, the magic of the movie. It's also like that scene where Margot Robbie goes to the hoity-toity party and she says to the Blue Nose, it's like, y'all ain't better than me, y'all on your moral high horses. And like, sorry, but Damage Cell, you can't, you can't tisk tisk Hollywood for its decadence and its depravity and then have a scene like that. You know, it's a lot of different things in conflict with each other. I agree. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: But isn't that what Hollywood is, Will? Like, there's a scene in the movie at the end where a guy is thinking of, you know, the decadent parties and crying about times that have gone by. And I'm like, that looked miserable. That did
1: not look like fun. Oh, my God. The closing montage in
0: this movie. Oh, if he had included a clip from La La Land, I would have stood up and applauded. Oh,
1: ridiculous.
0: Love it. Love it. Yes. I I was like, woo and I could feel the people around me turning against the movie as it was playing too.
1: Well, I'm sure we can agree on one thing, Eric Roberts. Yeah, really fun in it. Best supporting actor, give it to I wish there
0: were more like weird character actors in the film, because there should have been, and there really wasn't. The fact that he includes singing in the rain at the end of the movie is-
1: Oh my God. Twice, twice. I, so I'm watching the whole movie thinking, oh, that- oh, you can lean over and go, uh, you may not know that singing in the rain was
0: actually like recycled songs, which is why you see a scene of them uh, filming the original version
1: of. Sin Singing in the rain watching the whole movie thinking oh yeah that's like that scene and singing in the rain that's like that scene and singing in the rain and then he ends it with ah but did you know that this was like that scene in singing in the rain love
0: it, love <laughs> it. Uh, no one can see me doing a chef's kiss i always liked his films he
1: writes a lot of liner notes for like mumblecore films the director really yeah he does well i know he did that one film guy and madeline on the park yeah match. which
0: is very kind of like esoteric and He got in my good books by spending like 40 minutes of the commentary of La La Land complaining about Q&As about Guy and Madeline on the park bench. (laughs) So, you know, uh, Justin, you want to come on the
1: podcast? Will doesn't need to be on the episode. We we can
0: talk Babylon. And uh, What
1: what were you thinking? (laughs) I'd I'd love to have Damien Chazelle on the podcast instead of me on one episode.
0: And we don't acknowledge it. I'm like, I'm here today with my usual co-host, Damien Chazelle.
1: Damien Chazelle, if this gets out to you, please know that Babylon fan number one is sitting across from me right here. Uh, uh, Babylon I know, fan number one. I know it's very hard for you right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've probably got a gun in your mouth right now. <laughs>
0: he's, like the, he's like Brad Pitt at the end of
1: the movie. <laughs> uh, so come here for a safe space. Hang you know, out with Justin. What's weird about uh, talking about Babylon is
0: like uh, I was talking to Peter Koplowski about it. He's like, yeah, but, you know, I don't feel at the end... The emotional arcs of the people work and i was like yeah i agree with you
1: <laughs> like, oh, okay. You like the
0: spectacle of it? I like the spectacle. I like the audacity of it existing. Sure, yeah. And uh, like 1941, like I don't find 1941 very funny, but no. I enjoy watching it. So well, fair and Babylon is basically that movie. And wait, how many movies is he in? It'd be funny if it was like the exact same amount of movies that Spielberg made. Let me count. So Guy Madeline, Whiplash. La La Land, First Man, and this. And this. So this is his fifth movie. Spielberg, ah, we, he made so many TV movies before. But if you count like theatrically released,
1: like *Dual*, *Sugarland Express. Express*, *Jaws*, *Close Encounters*—that's right, *1941*. There you
0: go. <laughs> yeah perfect career path Damien Giselle is our generation's Zach Steven Spielberg excited for his Indiana Jones people are writing like "Oh, actually Spielberg you missed it we don't care
1: <laughs> you don't need to write that so there it is the year that was a lot of good movies there yeah I, I really struggled putting together a list this year maybe it was a good year after all thinking about some of those great memories I had in those darkened auditoriums well listen our best
0: memory which people can't experience was of course going to the Three Stooges Museum <laughs> we may
1: talk about that on the Patreon episode this week which <laughs> (laughs) patreon.com slash important cinema club we'll be talking about the best of the rest of 2022
0: i got books i of course got blu-rays which will take up the majority of the episode and we have the most annoying thing anyone can talk about personal experiences oh yeah (laughs) so you can check that out at patreon.com slash the important cinema club so next week we're starting the year by challenging ourselves We're going to be, for the first time ever, doing a whole month of films from one country. And you may be saying, of course they'll be doing something like Hong Kong, right? No, we're going to be doing a month of Japanese
1: filmmakers. That's right. We're starting with someone canonical who neither Justin nor I know anything about. Nope. But we know that he is
0: a legendary filmmaker, and that is... Mikio Naruse. So it'll be four episodes. I say a month long. It'll probably run maybe a little bit longer than that. And it is just for those clicks. You know, we gotta get those Japanese film fans in here. Really? And then, you know, yeah, all those Naruse heads that are like, we love Naruse. Finally, someone's talking about him.
1: They're always beating down our door, aren't they?
0: Will we be doing Pinku films? Of course. Will we go into
1: anime territory? Ooh.
0: Perhaps. Exciting. That's gonna be a lot of work for Will, though.
1: So. Hey, what else am I doing? Let's do it
0: all right so that's what we're going to be doing for
1: the next months so
0: make sure to tell all your friends and if you have any questions you can email us at important cinema club podcast
1: at gmail.com we're not reading any letters on this episode because we went long yeah we went very long but send your letters anyway
0: so until next week my name is justin the clue i'm will
1: sloan thanks for listening
2: as is customary i would like to thank every current patreon subscriber of the Important Cinema Club. Who include Juan Matoa, Joey, Sam Rodriguez, Christine Marker, Jace, Kenneth Bigley, Some Guy, Jacob Mbaldi, Jacob
0: Heiting, The Pretentious Film Critic, Tyler, Josh DeBiche, Parv Sood, Dr. Penis,
2: Ethan Levatidis, Nolan Rabin, Berkson Sarsenbayev, Meshash, Shane Ruez, Michael Pat Conley, Julian Towers, Eli Bush, Lord CEO, Dan Erdman, Sammy Gold, Mark Grimpo, Dan Watkins, Adam, Ali. Quadir Jude Lindsay, Totally Wizard, Christopher Luke, Adam Mosher, John Pat Taff pat Veronica, Aaron Pritchticka, Christopher Brown, Blue 2001, Douglas Scoop Reinhardt, Matthew Hall, Evan Gordon, Elsie Lewison, Jason Simmon, John Toes, Josh Gould, Nolan Tuck, race car, race car, race car, race car, Greg Eggbeam, Eric Hilliker, Daniel Lima, Arkinsa, Travis S. Tash, Dan, Aaron Prime, me. Mickey savage zach johannes Mintroop, michael van cleve hugh brown jason b john walsh regan jones lucy sherry ruben vasquez max bart howe alexander odell alex rose meredith macy stephen jennings k isaac rick tom richard e isaac coleman reese cahill jameson brorsan william t klugel jack Ansel, alex eric hefter yevan gordon ryan rylea benjamin Vaugh, zachary hollingsworth david watkins evan w byron luke horobelk Alex Bernstein, Michael Starrett, Thomas Prieto, Ryan Morit, Nick Richardson, Dip, Particle Maid, Benoit Le Cenobite, Rob S., Hunter Hayes, Barry Lama, Sean White, Dylan, Adam frost Venrick, Samuel Langstone, Fiona Lemon, Jesse lopez Sepero, John Otto, Kirk Sansoff, Christine Cree, Jordan seker Rashia, Chase Zoo, Joshua Painter, Bornstein Jislason, Colin Morgan, Colin Erner, Taylor Marchin, Vinny, Michael Larson, Luke Lafferty, Benjamin Woodard, Tarek M, Joe the Lion, Brendan Finch, David Bierling, Tom Taylor Taylor, Toast West, Christopher Doubles, Patty Delaney, Ian W, The Rogue Morovic, Nick Fulton, Jocelyn Moneyron, Michael Black, Patrick Goldie, Joe Signorelli, Alec Thomas T, Eric Martian, Houston Hathaway, Ashley Neftool, Sam Ray, Andrew Stecker, Will Aiken, Rude Dog, Jan Hammer Sledge, Tiago Menem, Darius Jonas, Evan Dal Dalrymple, Body Cantor, Aaron, Randy, ProColor, Mike Gallagher, Anna M., Matthew Davis, Paul Caravello, Stu Watson, Stephen French Jr., Case Mount, Evan, Kale Erickson, Justin Ferenza, Alex Walsh, Lawrence Yolan, Luke Williams, Peter McDonald, Misha Jemsic, Grant McAllister, Dario, Josiah Sutton, Cat Weasel, Ethan Cartwright, Daniel McAllen, Levi, Keldon Bester, Keshev Surnavasan, Amar Desay, Zachary Warmbrott, Austin Alderman, Walker Roberts, Adam Bonfanti, Robert Brewey, Adam Rabb, Christopher Morton, Dan Young, Andrew, Charles, Dave Wright, Daniel Jordan, Austin S., Henry, Brian Venditti, Griffith Meyer, Jacob Richardson, Don Pickton, Lucas Lamara, Cess Calray, Chris H., Tristan Bass Kruger, Daniel Busby, BJ Sliv, Anthony Joab, Casey Moore, Jacob Vassar, Jay, Calvin Vaughn, Varun, Dimitris Crotigianis, John Freeman, Jack Kane, Louis. Theodore Hanusch, Declan Harzum, Kufax, Kropotkin, Tuman Meyer, Colin Bucky, Robbie Beck, Russ C., Alex Hardesty, Keenan Ashenfelter, Roman Pesarov, Nico Schmidt, David Everett, Daniel Lipinski, Henry Nerg, Leffy Schafflin, Jim Vance, Daniel Nichols, Stuart Anderson, Kyle McClurg, Josh Ferlin, Rob, Christopher Nicastro, Jakar Rea, Mark Flanagan, Billy Jackson, Dylan Birch, Spencer, Teddy Buffa, Lars Henricks, Gareth Pashley, Colin Bucky, Billy, Elliot Sharon, Simon Barrett, Peter McGann, Jush, Michael Knotts, Alex Honeydew, Ryan Dorfler, Tyler P., The Welfare Lobby, Warble Flutter, Matt Collins, Daniel Port, Mila Steniskic, Joshua Gonslave, Preston McFarlane, Stephen Kielback, Sarah Cleary, John Daniel, Kurt Freeman, Daniel Haskett, Einar Einarsson, Jake Hayden, Sten Walker, Zaki, Megan Franklin, Venomet Films, Vineus LS, Jay, Christopher Salt, Seth LeJacques, Ronan Kelly, Jimmy R. Joe Balsal, Dan Q, David T. Phil Brown, Patrick Carroll, Carl Fitz, Derek, Meownan, Giant Gorilla, <laughs> Giant Gorilla, Matthew Smith, Kirsty, Battleground Productions, Kimball McClure, Andrew Lincoln, Jack Davenport, Timothy Klein, Sydney, David Bertrand, Meg, Jerome Cron, Andrew Craybone, John Abel, Hugo Poderoso, Michael Keane, Benjamin J. Hendrick, IG, Ken Nichols, Jacob, Zach Osgood, Tim C., Emily Lombardo, Eric George Shaw, Domenico Lo Buglio, Andrew McClure, Vocational Dragon, Dylan, Jeremy Noyce, Bradley Meek, James Long, Dr. William Rossino, Michael Garland, Matt Cook, Kathleen Quinn, Ben Dowie, Philip Dryson, Kevin Barr, Dylan Harrington, Mark Shorznage, Evan, Zach L., Maj Potatoes, Mm, Maj Potatoes, KL, Kyle Bates, Daniel Champion, Elliot Shugo, Jan Nuston, Kevin Sheets, all right, we're about halfway, everybody, Rose Gunn, MK, Denise Fillion, B-Men, Lynn Olson, Nick Martin, Carlo Ramirez, Ethan, Garrett Frazen, Peyton Cook, Ollie Drumbum, Amy Seeger, Cameron Gunn, Mark R. Deming, Derek Schultz, Alex Gillerin, Tim Willows, Glenn Del Rossi, Lucas Borenschick, Kalen Penny, Phoebe, Nice Friend 420, Greg McGuire, The Art of B, Adam Walters, Dennis Rowland, Daniel Hansen, Rainer. Ken Book, Matt Holler, Joey, Corey Morian, Patrick O'Donnell, Robbie Carroll, Jeremy Hawkins, Lobster Johnson, JT60564, Stephen Mortland, Rob Lee, Zachary Kaplan, Nestor Trujillo, Jesse, Johannes Masade Andrew M., Lance Garrickson, Oren Lehman, Will Barship, Charlie Roxburgh, Jamie Wright, Louis-Philippe Gagnon, Justin W., Daniel, Ray Ferscheid, Buck Bloomingdale, Michael DiNuzio, Chris Bryce Jones, David Annandale, Joe Probus, Zach Anders, Thomas, Matthew Welch, Jay Long, Cameron Gunn, Chris, Jesse Ferguson, Ty Truliger, Benjamin Asprey, Michael Lane, Paul, Marcus Andrews, comic Stay, Pete Kahn, James Morgan Wells, Quinn Henderson, Michael Cheshi, Buzzkill Squad, NR, Andy Willick, Jacob Bowles, Chase East, Peter Kaplowski, Lisa Silver, Eric Jarvis, Don Schrodzma, Ben Nadeau, Patrick Kennedy, Aaron Whitley, Colin Griffith, Gareth Marley, One True Patron, Annette Shane, Sean Fuller, AJ, Ioannis Schuschinger, Ben Turnbull, Steve Putz, Charlie, Andrew Knight, Daniel Newton, Adam Nab, Jacob Schorer, Aylin O. Dallin, Eric ward johnny mockney john petrovic hell on celluloid ivy parsons yeso nathaniel tyson L C C nitza zimmerman ben brushett ben borkart cf l ron howard jordan friedland robert nance conrado falco jeff styles brendan murray alexander Reford, adam w alex wilson cole flowers alex lines donald patterson avery brooks jack book luke AJS124, Matthew Elagy, Tommy Sharpinato, Charles Smar Gregory Ellis, Cole Kirkendale, Derek, Neil Fuller, Jay Scully, Connor Mian Joseph Traczynski, Richard Chandler, Lee Henderson, Ian Stratton, Kevin Johnson, Elliot Tomb Robert McDonald, Liz Ryerson, James Waters, Nate Hamlet, Stein, Eric, Rutledal, John Mert, Brendan White, Matthew Farley, uh Matthew, SJ Adams, Theodore Fox, A.J. Serrano, Marcus Rose, Party with Pizzy, Cole Smith, Sam Sagans, Yavier Nunez, Lauren Kilgore, Josh Irons, James Majure, Matt, Vincente Perez, Harry Westergaard, Joshua Clark, John Carter, Leo Nichols, K. Walsh, Jim Campbell, Jacob Durasco, Hunter Sawyer, Jack Burnham, Charles F. Anton Person Flyglare, Sebastian Lepre, Tristan Wheeler. If you're still listening to this and your name has not been read out, I believe these are in the order of people that have joined. So if you joined recently and you missed your name, go back for everybody else who is still hanging in here, wanting to hear your name. I really appreciate it because this means you are a very early adopter. And you rock. Tristan Wheeler, Neil Mac Giola Chumgale, cloaked Romulan Warbird, Mike Wood, Joner, Chris Swaljay, John Campbell, Alex Curtis, Evan Laffer, Josh Henry, Chris Gillen, Gloomy Cleric, Greg McDonald, Nick Barzak, Ram Paul Donovan, Anders Boska, Michael Willis, Jack Anderson, Nick net AJ Katsinas, Alexis Nelson, William Kumbi, Eric Trulinski, Apple Ventress, James Cullen, amalko Ian Moss, Abashed Pudding, Daniel Roth, Andy Stone, Daryl Atkinson, Adam Hart, A Hack Fraud, Jeremy keys Jason Bacon, Joe Clark, James Baker, Travis Cody Johnson, Tim, BDA, Guy Davidson, Matthew Thomas, Josh LaBelle, Ali Fornius, Philip Seagal, Jacob, Patrick McClanahan, Joe Greenwood, Sadie Carter, Nick, Peter Jim, Justin Haley, Dove Sounds, Evan Furness, Joe Kickass, Michael Carroll, Zachary Ainsley, Nathan Wisnicky, William Mansley, Craig Lopez Fitzgerald, Buff Guy, Sean Onright, Mura, Michael Frollo, Wolf Walden, C. Puffer, Clint Isiger, Ned Grade, Hank Okazaki, David Thomas, Juan Damien, Philip DeClue, yep, that's right, my brother, he is a patron, Rick Kane, Jeff Wood Jones, Brent Oliver, Zoe Wheeler, Alex P, Kay Parrington, Zach Fowler, Bennett Glace, Harris Frost, Joe, Alex Laird, Matthew Gadsby, Valerie, Aaron Dodson, Alan Butt, Josh, CWW, Ed Begley Jr., Ralph, Daniel Benoit, Stephen Vag, Roy Dan Bauer, Joe McGregor, Joe, Ian, Danny, Ramon, Guy Nelson, Trey, McLinley, Anonymous, Stuart Shepard, Gavin Mead, Turker, Yinlin, J.P. McDee, Thomas Johnson, Scotty Gilmer, Kevin Senny, Stephen I. Rice. Wa Machula, Emil Dirks, Emmett Crudus, Will C, Zach H, William Buckenham, Matt Cluge, Michael Chow, Daniel Acosta, Alexander Roth, Ziad Bouassi, Amy, Jordan Kritzberg, Alex Griffiths, John Semley, Dom Sinicola, Liam James, Chris Chan, Dustin Eisman, Dan Dillon, Nate in St. Paul, Gregory, John Paul McKenna, Jessen Fox, Jesse Shearer, in Crepeau, Graham, Randy, Ethan Vesby, Chien John, Jack Frain Reed, Terry McCarthy, David Dean, Andrew Ford, Brandon Lim, April Itmanski. Yes, the co-host of the No Such Thing as a Bad Movie podcast has been a patron since the beginning. David Springfield, Jacob Peterson, Albert Davis, Tim Schofield, and Cam, Adam, Chris, Bear Sin Sinjin. Thank you
1: very much for all being patrons. We could not keep doing this. Without you. So last night I watched a movie called Monkey Kung Fu. It's a Shaw Brothers film, not to be confused with Mad Monkey Kung Fu, which came out the same year. Because Monkey Kung Fu stars Ching Siu Tung, the director of a Chinese ghost story. Of course. Of course you know that. Yes. <laughs> uh, I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was great. Like all the Shaw Brothers movies are. Well, not all of them. Not all of them, but, but yeah. A lot of them. A lot of them are good. You know, and this is one that it's... M- Monkey Kung Fu isn't like Geralt that is in the top tier or anything, but... It's got easily a half dozen scenes of just people contorting their bodies in unbelievable ways. Mm -hmm. Now, anyway, I want to just like spring on you a question. Top five Kung Fu movies. (sighs) like just off the top of your head don't think about it
0: yeah drunken master it's so tough to do top five lists right off the top of my head once. yeah so
1: i gotta think so drunken master mm-hmm. has to be at 1978 yeah but then i think well drunken master 2 is just as good if not better so i think drunken master is better as a movie
0: only because drunken master 2 while a classic you can feel its compromise in the way that it's
1: kind of structured drunken master 1 is lightning in a bottle mm-hmm. it's it's got this effervescent feeling of fun to it and and discovery so okay I can't have both those on the list though, right? No. Once Upon a Time in China. Oh, love it. What about Once uh, Upon a Time in China too? <laughs> I know. I know. That's the thing. I have to go with the first one, though. Yeah, I would probably go with the first one as well. For the latter fight. hmm Oh, so good. One of the best fights of all time. And then I think Eight Diagram Pole Fighter.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a really good one, too. I love Eight Diagram Pole Fighter.
1: And now here's where it gets like tricky, because I don't think this is one of the top five Kung Fu movies ever. hmm I don't think it's even one of the top 100, maybe. But yet my mind goes to Enter the Dragon, mm. because it's got 10 minutes that are beyond iconic. I mean, it's the most iconic- martial arts film of all time. Yeah. Unquestionably. And and how many times have I seen it? So many times. And and those minutes, it's not even that Bruce Lee's fighting style is, you know, my favorite kind of fighting style. He's so iconic and that's him. So, I mean, maybe that, like when I think get a list without thinking about it, that's on it.
0: I think I would put Steve Wang's drive on that list only because it is, hey, have you seen it yet? No, I'll <laughs> make it a priority. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please, Will, we released it, or MVD, on Blu-ray and 4K. I, I bought it from them. Oh, um, no, yeah, okay. I have it. I think because it came at a very formative part of my life and that it is also... A kind of just understanding of all the things I like done in one package and it only exists there as well like it's not like a Sammo or a Jackie where you go ah which ones do I pick like drive is drive there's nothing else like it and the people kind of all went their separate ways and never really reached that level either because I mean on your list you need a Sammo Hung one right like Warriors 2 that is an amazing just like pure martial arts film wait am I thinking of Warriors 2 or what's the other one where it's like they play two roles Odd Couple. Odd Couple
1: I odd, love the Odd oh, Couple man. Odd Couple is fucking good. I think I would pick Warriors too, though, mm. because that is how my mind categorizes it. Mm. I think I got to have a Jackie, got to have a Samo, got to have a Shaw. So I'm going to make it Warriors 2 because that's the one that I remember watching it and thinking like, I'm sweating watching this. It's yes. so intense.
0: Well, when I saw Odd Couple, I saw it on 35 in New
1: York and I was like, oh my God, like this movie is wild. I mean, Odd Couple though, yeah, that's just a great example of a movie. Like they were making movies like this every week back then. Mm-hmm. Like how did they do it?
0: I do think it where I stumble is that a lot of the films are very familiar and a lot of the films maybe have one or two scenes that are great, but the movie overall is like, eh, not so good. Like when you look at Once Upon a Time in China, I think that because True Hark is such a individual filmmaker and that while the movie is like overstuffed and too big, like he is so present in every moment, it is impossible to deny. When you watch many of Jackie Chan films, even the ones that he directed, eh, they're
1: sloppy at parts. Well, this is why, even though I don't think it's on my list, Thirty Six Chamber of Shaolin becomes... Would definitely not be on my list. Okay, yeah. but it becomes a contender for me because that one just emerges in my mind as that's a film with a unified vision. Mm-hmm. That's a film with a force, with a mem- Momentum to it, even though it's not that action packed. Mm. But like the story, the the structure of he's mastering all thirty five of those chambers, it has an impact that some of the movies, some of the sloppier like Samo movies, even though they have higher highs, don't have. Mm -hmm. And when you say also the best martial arts films, I think our mind does jump
0: like Jackie Samo. But I have to say like Duel to the Death, Ching Tsu Tong's directorial debut like that is a movie like no other and he's doing stuff there that has never really been equal just kind of imitated along the lines but that isn't like classical martial arts films but when i think of like Oh, the movies that I watch over and over again, like that climax of Doodle to the Death, where they're fighting in the air and jumping off of their swords to keep going higher. Like that just burns into my mind. Throw it in the Library of Congress. So do I I, I have five or not? Uh, I think you had, we mentioned a lot there. So let's go through. You had Drunken Master. You had Warriors 2. You had Once Upon a Time in China, Enter the the Dragon, and then 36 Chambers of Shaolin. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Whatever. Were you just thinking about this while you were watching Mad uh, Monkey Kung Fu?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about how hard it would be because this is a movie that Monkey Kung Fu has all these unbelievable scenes, incredible scenes, where if you put them in a movie today, they would be instantly iconic Mm -hmm. because people aren't doing scenes like that anymore. And then I was thinking, it's hard to do a list because there are so many movies like this that it's almost sort of generic and then the ones that pop into your head like enter the dragon like Thirty-six Chamber of Shaolin, it's not necessarily because they have the highest highs that mm-hmm. those movies have. It's because they have something else. They have a different kind of force or a different kind of energy. You know, if you ask me for like a top five movies, writing wrongs would probably
0: be on there because it's doing something that none of the movies that we've mentioned have, which is like a more modern day setting, like that kind of Koryun style of action as well. When I think of like top five or top 10 action movies, I always struggle too with like is there a way for people that are not automatically attracted to action movies to have a movie that gets them into it some way? And that's always tough because it's like kind of sports, right? It's like, if you're not invested, I don't know how to invest you. And it's like, is there a magic kind of movie that can do that? I mean, you mentioned watching Drunken Master 2 with your dad and that he, even he was like, wow,
1: that was wild. I think some of those Jackie Chan ones Mm -hmm. can do it partly because Jackie Chan himself is such an innately likable presence. Mm -hmm. You know, he brings you a long on screen on screen (laughs) on screen and you know if he were off screen i'd shake his hand
0: i look forward to the like chan movie that's like tar but about jackie chan (laughs) i would love it i mean i joked in my review that ah tar terrible person and now let's go watch under siege
1: the steven seagal film in the cinema (laughs) oh yeah uh number five uh on deadly ground
0: The best Steven Seagal film. I don't think there's any contest about that, right? Even though you do
1: love Hard to Kill, I love Hard to Kill, but it, yeah, it's gotta be it's gotta be
0: On Deadly Ground. <laughs> uh, what are your favorite martial arts films? Let us know in the Discord. Start a conversation. Maybe there's one that me and Will haven't seen. <laughs>